it is believed that politician Benjamin Franklin made this statement right here, that most people die at 25 and aren't buried until they're 75. Uh, just kind of let that sink in for a moment. Most people die at 25 and aren't buried until they're 75. We're not really exactly sure he said it, but he has um, contributed with that statement. Many people, of, uh, many people here this morning are probably wondering, what exactly was Franklin, Benjamin Franklin actually talking about? It's a very clever statement, but what does he actually mean by the statement, people die at 25 until they're buried uh, and aren't buried until they're 75? What does he, what's he talking about here? And in the context of our discussion this morning, I believe, for me, he is talking about the overwhelming reference to purpose, that somehow between 25 and 75, we've, we lose our purpose. We just kind of go in survival mode and we're not really thriving in life. Let me be crystal clear with you this morning that I, that I believe this, this statement right here, that surviving is not a treasure. Surviving is not a treasure. In our series of treasures that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, I want you to know that surviving is not a treasure. To die within your spirit at 25 and survive until you're buried at 75 or whatever age it may be is not a treasure. Yes, there are times, I will not deny this morning, yes, there are times in our life where we switch the survival mode on. That in those moments of survival or those moments of seasons that we have that we're in survival mode, they are just that. They are just seasons. And in those seasons of survival mode, we are desperately holding on for dear life. Survival mode was never designed to exist a lifetime. They're just seasons. We are actually designed to thrive, not survive. If surviving is not the treasure, then what is the treasure? Well, the treasure is this this morning. Thriving is the real treasure for us this morning. Almost everyone that I know of wants to live a life that thrives. It doesn't survive. Does anybody just want to survive for the rest of your life? You would fit into Benjamin Franklin's statement if you do. If you put up your hand for that, you know, you, you die at 25 until you're buried at 75. You're just in survival mode. Almost everyone that I know wants to thrive at life. They, they don't want to survive. But living a thriving life is often easier said than done, is it not? To live a life that thrives is often easier said than done. How many times have you asked yourself one of these multiple questions that I'll give you this morning? How many times have you said to yourself, how can I thrive in this life? How can my life blossom into what it really should be? How many times have you asked yourself that question? Or how can I grow and not just maintain or survive in this life? They are good questions. I've discovered this, which may help our discussion this morning, that the secret to thriving is connected to purpose. The secret to thriving is connected to purpose. In 2016, a North American survey was conducted for those aged between 18 and 24 years of age. So it's a very narrow window that they looked at when you talk about from uh, day one to whatever it may be, 90 or if you're blessed, 100 years. They chose 18 to 24-year-olds, and they had a very specific question for those 18 to 24-year-olds. It was this question here, what place does purpose have in your life? What place does purpose have in your life? And they responded in a variety of ways, but many of the young adults responded that being a real adult is not until you find your purpose in life. Fascinating, isn't it? 
that being a real adult is, doesn't happen until you have a clear purpose for your life. And in fact, the majority of the young people surveyed believe that they were not, between 8 and 24, were not real adults because they had not yet found their purpose in life. 57% who were surveyed responded by admitting that they had no clear purpose for their life. Christine Whelan, professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, um, offered this perspective on the um, survey. She said, this study isn't good news. Coasting is existing, not what, church? Not thriving. She goes on to write this paragraph. The majority of young adults who say they don't have a clear picture of what they want in life are basically saying they are, say it with me, church, existing but not thriving. In other words, in the context of our discussion this morning, they are in survival mode. They are not in the mode of thriving. Perhaps you've already figured this out because you are a very smart crowd this morning. I feel at least the vibes coming towards me that, that you are smart. It's just not young adults who struggle with their purpose. It's not just 18 to 24-year-olds. I've discovered that in this age that we're living in in 2023 and previous to 2023, that there are multiple generations that struggle with purpose. I've sat down with people who are into their 80s, went, this is what my life was, but I don't know what my purpose is now. I've talked with people who are preteens and teens and young adults and midlife people, and they've all at some point struggled with what their purpose is in life. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Have you ever mumbled under your breath, I'm a failure? Have you ever said that or thought that? Maybe you never said it, but maybe you've thought it. Maybe you've said, you know, why am I on this planet called Earth? What? I, I give up. Have you ever thrown up your hands in the air and just say, I give up. I don't know what the purpose is. I don't understand life, and life doesn't understand me. I don't understand people, and people don't understand me. And so you just go, what is the purpose. Struggling with our purpose has more to do with our thought process than actual our purpose. You can say it this way, it has more to do with our perspective than our commitment. Several years ago, Pastor Rick Warren offered this wise insight on purpose and perspective when he said this, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. Now that's a very good way to start this thought this morning. The purpose of your life is not of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. He goes on to say this in the next paragraph, it is far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. And then he makes this statement. If you want to know why you, why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. Let's just stop there for a second and let that sink in. Like a gentle rain on a spring-like day, let it just sink in. You must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for who? His purpose. Rick Warren is writing here that our purpose begins with God. It doesn't begin with you, it begins with God. And I am in full agreement with Pastor Rick Warren's statement on this purpose idea, that our purpose is connected to God, that we must first begin with God because we are born of God and we need to discover what God's purpose is for our life. A divine and eternal purpose begins with God, but yet this is what happens in life. 
I've seen it happen so many times. To find our beginning point and purpose, we select a career. If I just have a career, or if I just could make this money-making scheme work, it's just gonna, it's gonna just propel my purpose. A, per, a relationship. You know, there's this person that if I had a relationship with them, my whole entire life would just change. Or maybe you're this shallow. If I could just buy that one item at the local retail store, that will be it. I've found my purpose. I've seen people go in education. If I just had my doctorate degree, it would change my purpose. I've seen people go, if I could just read this New York Times bestseller book, it's going to change everything. I've seen people who go, if I could just get my mind around this ideology, idea, this, this thing, I can just change my life forever. Let me just poke around in the stadium for a few moments this morning. When was the last time you started with God? When was the last time you begin with God? Because here's what happens in North American culture, at least this is my observation of what happens in North American culture and exactly what happens in your life because I've observed it in your life. So it's not a judgment, I've just, I've just watched it happen in a lot of people's lives. We decide this is going to be my career. We start our career through our life and then we invite God in. We establish a relationship. We find a person that we want to have a relationship with. We go, this is going to change my life. We establish this relationship. And somewhere down the road, then we invite God in. If I can just have this doctorate degree, God, there, I have the doctorate degree. I have every educational tool I need. God, now would you partner with me? Would you come in and be in my life and, and help me with this purpose? We are constantly in North American culture inviting God in to what we're already doing, and God has no interest in that. We must first begin with God. Before we even try to think what our career is going to be, we should begin with God. God, is this what you want me to do? Before we even establish a relationship, it should begin with God. God, is this what you want me to do? Before we do anything in life, we should start with God. Amen, church? Because I'm telling you, if we begin with God and start with God, we'll save ourselves a lot of headaches and heartaches down the road. Because He gives us divine purpose and guidance and direction. When was the last time before beginning anything you went to God first? Before you even had a thought about an idea, you went to God first. When was the last time you asked God, God, what is my purpose for my life? I wholeheartedly believe this, that there is a purpose, a God-given purpose for every one of us in this room and watching online this morning that goes beyond our abilities. Because we often operate in the realm of our abilities, and so that becomes our purpose because we have the abilities to do that, and that just naturally develops into our purpose. Oh, I can do this, and so this must be the purpose of my life. But I believe that there is a purpose for each and every one of us that goes beyond our abilities. It goes beyond our talents. It goes beyond our gifts. Only God can give this purpose. It is a purpose that is born of God, and only God can empower us to live out that purpose. It is our purpose from God, by God, empowered by God, and it cannot be done any other way. Forty days after the resurrection of Jesus, 
40 days after the resurrection of Jesus. We discover a few of his disciples and followers gathering on a hilltop where they are given one last instruction before Christ's ascension to the Father's right hand. So it is the ascension. It is often called a lot of things. The Great Commission, is, we've labeled it a, a many different things, but this morning in our context of our discussion, we're going to call it this, the proclamation of purpose. Jesus gives the proclamation of purpose in Matthew 28. We're going to just read a few verses we're going to start with this one right here in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And then in verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples, Jesus said, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 20, he said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. Say this with me, church. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What a wonderful promise. I would argue this morning, not in the context of this service, but if you want to bend my ear afterwards, I'd, be lo I'd love to hear you and uh, I'd love to discuss this further, but I, I would argue that there is no greater purpose in life than Matthew 28. Living out what Jesus instructed in Matthew 28 is the ultimate purpose for each of us in this room and for everyone watching online. But a lot of people take issue with Matthew 28. I am surprised by the amount of people who take issue with Matthew 28. And, and there's this underlying belief with Matthew 28 that it is a historical account that should be left in the history books. That Jesus is no longer calling us. That Jesus is no longer instructing us. That Jesus is no longer tapping us on the shoulder to go and to tell. And that it somehow it doesn't relate to 2023 in the world that we're living in. Can I just be honest with you this morning? That is simply not true. It is simply not true. The purpose of Matthew 28 is just as relevant today on April 30th, 2023, as it was 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus when he stood on a hilltop and told them, here is the great declaration. Why is the purpose in Matthew 28 still relevant for us today? Why is it still purposeful for us today? Well, because it is a purpose that is driven by the resurrected Christ. You need to think about that. Just write that down somewhere. It is a purpose that is driven by the resurrected Christ. Matthew 28 is a purpose that is driven by a resurrected Jesus Christ. Forty days after his resurrection, he gathers on the hilltop and he goes, here's the final instruction that I need to give to you. It is a divine purpose for you and for every generation to follow. Why is it still relevant today? Because it is a purpose that is driven by the resurrection of Christ. And if we say Matthew 28 is only historical in context, and only for the immediate days after the resurrection of Jesus, and is not meant for April 30th, 2023, then we are saying the resurrection of Jesus Christ doesn't matter today. It only mattered back then. It doesn't matter today. And it's not as important today as it was then. Whenever you begin to unpack Matthew 28, you discover a personal treasure of purpose 
that is driven by the resurrection of Jesus for all generations until Jesus comes back again. Now, unless I've been asleep, unless I've been watching sports or reading my Bible, I don't think I've missed the second coming of Christ. Would you agree with me, church? Jesus hasn't come back a second time yet, has he? And if you dig down into Matthew 28, it is saying not only to the disciples of that moment, of that day in Matthew 28, that you need to go and tell this is a divine purpose for you, I will empower you and strengthen you, and you must go and tell it is still relevant today because Jesus has not come back again. It was a declaration that you need to do this until I come again. It's not just for this moment. Our divine and eternal purpose involves three ingredients based on Matthew 28 that I want to extract for us this morning and talk about just a little bit. First of all, we discover this. There is a call. There is a call. The disciples were specifically called to Matthew 28, in Matthew 28 to go gather on the hilltop. If we back up a couple of verses in Matthew 28 to verse 16, then the 11 disciples, because Judas is no longer in the mix, he's taken his own life, they left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So Jesus has called them to this hilltop in Matthew 28, 16. But long before he called them in Matthew 28, there is another call. Jesus personally called all 12 disciples. He called them by name. He called them out of their lifestyle. He called them out of their jobs. He called them to follow him. We see it in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. Jesus comes along the shoreline of the, of the Sea of Galilee, and he stumbles across two guys named Peter and Andrew. And he says to them, you must leave everything and come and do what? You've read that story before. Come and follow me, Jesus said. Just a couple of verses later, just a little bit further down the Sea of Galilee, he comes across two other guys by the names of John and James. And what does he tell John and James? He says to them, leave your fishing nets, leave your boats, leave everything. I'm calling you to come and do what? Follow me. I will make you, Jesus said, fishers of men, no longer fishers of the sea or the lake. Come and follow me. Long before the purpose the divine purpose of Matthew 28 was given to the disciples on that hilltop. Jesus calls the disciples personally. He calls them to come and follow him. The discovery of purpose first begins by hearing the call of Jesus to follow him. It is a call for everyone. It is a call for everyone in this room. Jesus is calling your name. He is saying to you, leave everything, come and follow me. He's saying that to everyone watching online this morning. He is saying a personal invitation. I want you to come and follow me. But unfortunately, there are many of us who never hear his call. We're too busy with life. We're too distracted. We don't want to hear it. We hear Jesus calling us, but we just ignore his calling. There's a lot of people who do not follow up with the call of Jesus on their life. The initial call to come to the cross, the, the initial call to come and follow Jesus, we just never hear it. Paul gave us this thought in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Then in verse 24, God will make this happen. Say this with me, church. For he who calls you... One more time, it's worth reading again. 
For he who calls you is faithful. Jesus who calls you is what, church? He's faithful. You see, the initial call to the disciples to come and follow Jesus didn't just stop there. Jesus walked with them and taught them and mentored them until he brought them to the cross. And after the cross, he brought them to the empty tomb. And after the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he brings them to Matthew 28 where he says to them, I'm giving you purpose. Here it is, divine purpose that is empowered by me. Go and tell. God, through His Holy Spirit, calls every one of us in this room, every person on planet Earth, calls us to the cross of Jesus Christ. And it is at the cross where we experience forgiveness and transformation for our life. Amen? You see, divine purpose, the divine purpose of Matthew 28, is based on the call for salvation. Jesus first calls us to follow him. Jesus first calls us to come to the cross. Why is the purpose of life so elusive for so many people? Because I'll tell you why. Because we want purpose without the cross. We want purpose without his forgiveness. We want purpose without his salvation. We want it. A.W. Tozer made this observation. He said most Christians want a thrill or a joy, but do not want holiness or the purity of a spirit-filled life. If we take A.W. Tozer's words and put it in the context of what we're talking about here this morning, here's what we could translate A.W. Tozer's words into. Most people want purpose without Jesus. Most people want purpose without the cross. Most people want purpose without surrender. Most people want purpose without the resurrection. Most people want purpose without Matthew 28. New hope, there is no Matthew 28 without first hearing the call of Jesus to follow him. Think about it for a moment. Think for a second, there would be no 12 disciples who turned their world upside down and became the main characters in the New Testament without them first hearing the call of Jesus to do what? To follow Him. If I could make it personal this morning for you this morning, there would be no Pastor Scott if there was no call from Jesus in a kid's camp when I was just a little guy. When I heard the call of Jesus for me to follow Him to the cross, to seek forgiveness and redemption, and then to be taken to the resurrection of Christ where He empowers and strengthens me. There would be no me here this morning doing this if I didn't first hear the call of Jesus on my life to follow Him to the cross. I am not so arrogant to say that New Hope wouldn't be here because I believe God does things even with or without us. But me personally, without the call to to go to the cross, there would be none of this guy standing here in front of you this morning. It was the same for the disciples. It's probably the same for you in your life. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you following Jesus? Do you hear his calling to come to the cross, to surrender your life, to seek his forgiveness, to be redeemed, so that you can stand in the power of his resurrection and hear his divine purpose for your life from Matthew 28?
Let me give, give you this word before we move on to number two. You need to live out who God has called you to be. You need to live out who God has called you to be and stop comparing yourself with other people. It's a disease in the church today. Well, I'll never be like that person or I'll never have their abilities or their talent or this skill. Jared Wilson said this, church. He said, be who God created you to be. Everybody else is already taken. That's not good. Be who God is calling you to be, church. Everybody else is already taken. It's time to kill comparison and find our worth in God and God alone. Amen? And His calling to us, to the cross, to His empty tomb, to Matthew 28, it is our calling that God has given to us personally for each and every one of us. There's another ingredient for divine purpose. It's this one right here, a directive. Number two, a directive. What is the directive in Matthew 28? Well, it is very plain. It's very clear. It's very direct. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Say that with me, church. Go and make disciples. I must say, you, you are catching on much, further, much faster than the 930 crowd did. It was kind of like this curse if they said, go and make disciples. There is nothing bad about this. This is what Jesus is instructing for us. And it is, doesn't hurt us one little bit and actually brings life to us if we can say the statement, go and make disciples. So once again, go and make disciples. It is a directive that makes a lot of people uneasy and extremely uncomfortable. When we begin to make the declaration that Jesus makes in Matthew 28 and we say, go and make disciples, we begin, we begin to kind of twitch a little bit. We become antsy in our, in, our, in our pants because we can't sit still. Like It makes us uncomfortable and uneasy. Perhaps you're thinking this morning, my purpose for life is certainly not to be a pastor or a missionary. I, I don't want that. Well, I'm happy to tell you this morning that the directive that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28 is not exclusive to just the disciples. And it's not exclusive just to the apostles. And it's not exclusive just to pastors or missionaries or the like. The directive is clear from Jesus in Matthew 28. He says, go and make disciples wherever you do life. That's the call. It is a directive to go and make disciples in our families. It is a directive to go and make disciples in our workplace, in our neighborhood, and in our community, and region, and province, and country, and worldwide, if God so calls us. Wherever God calls you, and He is calling you, that's, that's not even in question this morning, because He calls each and every one of us. He's calling us to the cross, and He's calling us to the resurrection, and He's calling us to Matthew 28, and He's calling us to go and make disciples in wherever we are doing life. At age 23, Madeline Dorado qualified for the 2016 Olympics for real. She had missed the 2012 Olympics, and she knew that her window to compete at the Olympics was very narrow, that if she didn't make it in 2016, she probably would never, have make, would never make it. She made the Olympic team by her coach. Her coach pushed her and encouraged her to participate, and she did qualify for the Olympics. She qualified for the 400 melody, the 200 melody, meter melody, and the 200 meter backstroke. Madeline told Yahoo Sports this, 
She said, I don't think God really cares about my swimming very much. This is not my end purpose to make the Olympic team. When asked what she thinks God's purpose was for her life and Rio and the Olympics, she said this, I think God cares about my soul and whether I'm bringing His love and mercy into the world. And she goes on to say this, can I be loving can I be a loving, supportive teammate? And can I bless others around me in the same way God has been so generous with me? Do you see it, church? Do you see it? I'm not convinced this morning that you see it. God gives divine purpose to an athlete. That the purpose is not to win an Olympic medal. The purpose is to what? Go and make disciples to witness, to, to be an example of Jesus Christ. To go and make disciples as Jesus said in Matthew 28. But just in case you're wondering, the icing on the cake, she did win four medals in the 2016 Olympics. A bronze, a silver, and two gold. The directive is clear this morning. Anyone experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, anyone who has come to the cross, anyone who's experienced the resurrection power of Christ in your life, we are called to go and tell. Say that, church. Go and tell. We see this directive retold in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Just before the upper room, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my what? telling people about me everywhere. Then he goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say this in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It was a directive to take the message of Jesus to four regions, four areas of our life. They are the here, the near, the hard, and the far. The Jerusalem is the near. You are to take this message to the people of Jerusalem, to the people who are living within the city. We are to take the message to the people that we are living with, that we call them family. That's our Jerusalem. We are to take the news to the next, next door neighbor and down the street. We are to do the near, Judea. That might be another community, another town where we take the good news of Jesus Christ and go and tell. Maybe it's to help out in our Kingston location or maybe it's when we launch our third location. It's to help out in that location. That would be the near. The hard would be Samaria. To go to a people in a place that doesn't want you that doesn't believe what you believe, doesn't accept you for who you are, and, and is actually out to stone you rather than to hear your message. But God said you need to go to those, to the hard places. There are some family members that are extremely hard. They've given you an extremely hard time in your life. What is Jesus saying in Matthew 28? Go and what, church? Go and tell. You see, it's easy maybe sometimes to go here and near, but we don't want to go to the hard places. What else do we see in this calling? We see, well, there's a far. That would be another part of the world. If God was to call us to Africa or Asia or to some other continent, we are to go the entire world. It is a clear directive with purpose to go and tell. It doesn't mean that every one of us will do all four areas. Some of us will only do the here, and some others of us will do the here in and the near, and some of us will do here, near, and hard. And some of us will do all four. We'll go to some point in the world and serve for a week or two or months or years for Jesus Christ. It is a clear directive Jesus gives. Go and tell. 
wherever you are doing life, Jesus said, go and do what? Till. Another ingredient for divine purpose is a demonstration. Is the demonstration. We see this in verse 20. Jesus said, and be sure of this, I am with you, what? Always, even to the what? End of, the, end of time, end of age, end of your life. Like this is a good deal. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you divine purpose. I'm giving you a divine purpose and it has a directive and I want you to do the directive and I promise that I will give you the demonstration of my power and authority. I will be with you always. Isn't that a great deal? That God gives us a divine purpose for our life and He doesn't just leave us to figure it out. He says, I will be with you. I will walk with you and I will talk with you and I will be with you every step of the way. I will give you the empowerment that you need. I'll give you the strength that you need. I will give you the wisdom that you need. You are not in this alone. My purpose is from me to you and I will equip you as you go along. Jesus promised to demonstrate His power to be with us to the very end of the age. It is a demonstration of God's almighty power in His provision for our life when we are following His purpose. Amen? It is the only reason that we're able to live out God's divine purpose is by His empowerment. Amen? And His provision for our life. The only question that we need to ask this morning is a very personal and soul-searching question. It's this one right here. Who is the focus of my life? Because if we really dig down and deep into our life, many of us would probably answer, me, self. I'm the focus of my life, rather than Jesus being the focus of our life. If you'd like to look at it at a different angle, this question, you could say, you could ask this question, who am I living for? Am I living for myself? Am I living for my spouse? Am I living for somebody else? Am I living for my career? Am I living for you fill it in? Or am I living for Jesus? Jesus offers this insight in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is what? Wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. He goes on to say, though the rain comes in torrents and the water floods rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Because why? It's built on Jesus in 26. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is what? Well, not my words, those are the words of Jesus. Like a person who builds a house on sand, verse 27. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will what? With a what? With a mighty crash. Have you ever been there before? Jesus was pretty clear. We can focus on a purpose that is solid like a rock, despite the culture that we live in or the environment that we live in or the storms that may come our way, our purpose will remain because it's in Jesus Christ. Or we can live another way. We can focus on a purpose that is like sand. It's shifting and unstable. And when our environment changes, so does our life. And when the culture changes, so does our life. Or when the weather comes, it brings to us a sense that we are losing our purpose and it it kind of sifts through our fingers like sand. If we do not make Jesus the focus of our life, friends, if we do not make Jesus the focus of our life, we will end up clinging to the wrong purpose, which is deadly. It's deadly. A few years ago, the Heart Association of Chicago invited 100 top business professionals to a seminar. 
So the executives came into the room, and when they came into the room, there was a table at the front. It had four glass containers with four human hearts into it. Kind of creepy, isn't it? The first heart belonged to a man who had died in an accident, and it looked exactly like it should look like for a man in his 30s or his midlife, healthy and vibrant. The second heart was twice its normal size. It was the heart that had belonged to a hard-driving business executive who had died in a fit of anger at a client. Boom. Heart blew up. The third heart represented a man who had lived under constant tension and refused to relax or delegate responsibility, and he died from a coronary blockage. The fourth container with the fourth heart was, belonged to a man who had suffered a heart attack under the strain of domestic trouble, but recovered from the heart attack and enjoyed several more years of living a good life. It was a graphic illustration to everyone in the room on that day of the results of pursuing the wrong purpose. It's deadly. It's deadly. Now, don't misunderstand me because somebody in this room will inevitably misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you are exempt from heart disease if you live out God's purpose for your life. I did not say that. If you heard it, you heard wrong. What I'm actually saying is that if we follow the wrong purpose in life, it will be deadly for this life and deadly for all of eternity. Having an improper purpose for our life kills us, physically and spiritually. Did you know that there were two boats that could have responded to the Titanic when she sank? One boat, I did not realize this until this week when I began to research, one boat, the California, was 20 miles away from the Titanic when it struck the iceberg. But 10 minutes before the Titanic struck the iceberg, the Californians shut their radio off. So they never heard the distress call coming from the Titanic. They actually saw the staff and members of the crew actually saw them shooting the flares into the night sky and thought, what in the world are they celebrating? not knowing that they had hit an iceberg. In fact, at one point they saw the lights go out in the Titanic and thought they had shut the lights off for the night, not knowing that they had shut the lights off forever. If they had turned on their radio, 20 miles, the historians tell us, 20 miles they could have made the trip saving thousands. But they continued on their journey and never heard the distress call. There was another boat that night, the Carpathia, who was 58 miles away from Titanic. They did have their radio on and heard the distress call, and they turned on all their engines and steamed, navigating icebergs, and they went three and a half hours before they reached the Titanic. But when they showed up, the Titanic wasn't there. There were only lifeboats, and they saved 705 lives that night. To be a life with no cross of Jesus and no resurrection of Jesus and no Matthew 28 go and tell is a lot like being the Californian ship. That the Spirit is speaking, but our radio is turned off. The ship of somebody else's life is sinking, but we're 
clueless to what is going on. Jesus is calling you this morning, friends. He's calling you to the cross. And He's calling you to the resurrection. And He's calling you to Matthew 28 to go and tell. Jesus has a divine purpose for your life that is a purpose that you cannot receive anywhere else but through Christ. Your life and the lives of others depend on you hearing the voice of God and living out God's directive for your life in the demonstration of Christ's power by His Holy Spirit. Amen, church? Don't let the words of Benjamin Franklin ring in your life. Remember what he said? Most people die at 25 and aren't buried until they're 75. They switch on survival mode. They exist. They never thrive. I'm telling you, if you follow Jesus, your life will not survive. It will thrive. It will thrive. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're watching online this morning, I'd encourage you to do the same. Jesus is calling. He's calling you to the greatest treasure that has ever been known to mankind. It is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the greatest treasure. And He's calling you to the cross. Will you hear Him? Will you hear Him calling you to transformation and forgiveness and grace and restoration? He's calling you to the resurrection of Christ, which is the empowerment of Jesus living in and through us. He's calling us to Matthew 28, where he is saying, I will be with you for all of time. Go and tell. Go to the here. Go to the near. Go to the hard. Go to the far. Because someone's ship is sinking. And those of us who have the light of Jesus Christ and the rescue boat, we need to hear those calls. That's the best purpose. To save someone from the gates of hell. There is no greater purpose, church. Go and tell. Father God, we thank you for your empowerment. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. And we could not deny that your love is so great. Your compassion towards us is so wonderful. And that you pick us up when we fall down and you don't give up on us. We thank you for that this morning. And this morning we want to hear you calling us to the cross. We want to hear you calling us to your resurrection. We want to hear you call us to the greatest purpose for our life. Go and tell to the here, the near, the hard, and the far. Give us the power and the grace and the strength, I pray this morning. There is no greater purpose. For those of us in this room who have never had your purpose, I pray that we would surrender our life to you, that we'd pick up our cross, we would go to your cross, we would follow you, Jesus, wherever you lead us. For others of us in this room and watching online, we've known your purpose and followed your purpose, but we hit the pause button somewhere along the way. We lost the fire, the passion, 
Jesus, would you reignite that in our life by your Holy Spirit? We want to be on mission for you. We want to be on purpose for you. We want to be living out your purpose in our life. And we cannot do it without your empowerment and strength for our life. So here we are. We are surrendered to you and to your will and to your way. In Jesus' name, amen.